I'm excited to be down here with you guys this morning, and um, I hope that uh, you guys today are as blessed as I was preparing for this morning um, as we do talk about wisdom. So before we start, I'd like to pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, God, we, uh, we come to you this morning humbly, God, and I ask that you this morning be your words and not mine. God, that this morning be um, directed to you, God, and that um, as we talk about wisdom, uh, God, I, I pray that, um, God, my mind, my heart isn't tainted by this world, that, um, God, and, and for all of us, that we can, um, God, experience true wisdom, true godly wisdom, um, God, from you. Uh, we thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this wisdom. Uh, this morning, I want to start off just by uh, giving you a couple, a few different quotes of wisdom that I ran, ran into this week preparing. So, the first one is, a fool thinks of himself to be wise, but a wise man knows himself to be a fool. William Shakespeare. Wisdom is not a product of schooling, but a lifelong attempt to acquire it. Albert Einstein. And last one, you can help me finish it. Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Benjamin Franklin. Um, I don't know if any of you have a favorite words of wisdom. I got a few afterwards, um, after the sermon that people brought up to share about words of wisdom that they were, they've read or they've heard. And um, if anybody wants to share one, we, we, we can take a minute to share. Uh, if not, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. Ah, I love it. Wisdom. You guys hear that? Wisdom is, say that louder if you talk. Knowing which part of the instructions you can ignore. Which part of the, instru- knowing which part of the instructions you can ignore. I like it. Um, so we're going to get into some wisdom because I think um, this is, we're in the middle of a, of a series right now called Relevant Faith. And um, we're looking at the book of James and how he instructs us to live out our faith in everyday life. Here in James chapter three, he offers this great dichotomy of two types of wisdom an earthly wisdom, and then a true heavenly wisdom. And, and really, you, you'll see as we get into it, there's, there's no comparison between the two. That's why you, you chose that word dichotomy. There, we, we a lot of times call things wisdom that really have nothing to do with wisdom. And so um, I want to, if you guys want to turn with us this morning, we're going we're gonna to be looking at James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. So if you want to turn there, we'll be there in just a minute. But before we get started this morning, I want to remind you of something that John touched on last week from the beginning of, cha- of James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Great. Thanks, John, for leaving me this one. Um, but I, I laughed um, as I read that, but the more I thought about it, it makes complete sense. Um, I love context, and I think it's important if we're going to skip to to chapter 3, verse 13, that we look at it as a whole. And um, James gave a warning about teachers uh, and and warned them about the stricter judgment, being careful to become teachers. But then he broadens his warning to deal with taming of the tongue. And John spoke on it last week, so if you missed his message, I I recommend getting online and checking it out. Um, Very great message about taming the tongue. Um, But... I, I, th- I thought about this morning, James, I think, is still focusing on, or at least partly on, his teachers that he opened chapter 3 with. And it makes sense, right? Teachers are supposed to have the knowledge and the wisdom, and then pass that knowledge and wisdom on to those that they're teaching, right? It made sense that he's still maybe focusing partly on teachers. Um, but I think it's important that we realize we all need to be careful not to fall into the snares of worldly wisdom, 
So I want you to hear uh, from James. I'm going to read it. You can follow along on the screen or your Bibles. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. It starts out, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual or sensual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, gentle is another word, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And then he ends it with peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? James doesn't mess around. He starts right out with, if you answer yes to that question, if you think you're wise, prove it. And I laugh. That, that, that line made me think about as a kid. I used to love um, when, when people were talking, uh, talking a big game or they were talking about how smart they were or how they knew everything or they were saying, oh, I could do that. I used to love to be the one, prove it. Because they knew if they, they, re, they either need to walk the walk you know, put, put, it, put it where your mouth is, put your, put your walk where your mouth is, or quit talking about it. And I think that's what James is saying now. You either need to back it up or quit talking about, about what, it's not just about the talk. And so, so being a teacher that's going to be judged more strictly and hearing heavenly wisdom is first of all pure. In verse 17, I immediately thought about the kids that I teach at school, but also here at church. I thought about how their minds are as close to pure as we're going to get. They haven't been tainted by this world. Their hearts haven't been um, conditioned yet to, to maybe buy into some of this earthly wisdom as much as us adults have. So I asked some kids from our church some questions about wisdom, and I want you to hear their answers. I started real basic. I just asked them first, what makes a good teacher? First, first kid, being funny, because you have to have some laughter sometimes. You don't want a teacher to be all grumpy. I like that one. <laughs> Second, to be a good kid, to, or sorry, to be good with kids, know how to deal with them, to be smart so they can teach kids what they know. They need to be kind and to be calm when something happens to be able to help. And then I went a little deeper. I just asked them, what is wisdom? What does it mean to be wise? And here's some of the answers. To know a lot of stuff. But more than that, you have to make right choices. Awesome. Going to school makes someone wise. Parents helping make someone wise. Older people are wise. They know, they know that li what life was like back then, but we only know new stuff. <laughs> and then to be able to think and to be smart. Wise people can learn. They can practice. They need to be brave because if they're learning something hard, they need to be brave to be able to do it. And then I got deep with them and I asked them this question. Is there a difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly or godly wisdom? And these answers, you'd never believe they were from a child. I'm getting, I got to start getting emotional. But they, yes, because God knows what's always happening. How many hairs are on your head and what's going to happen? Through the Bible and praying, we can learn what needs to happen and what did happen in the past. Earthly wisdom doesn't know any of those things. It only knows what you can learn from books and teachers. And the next child said, earthly wisdom is just to be smart. 
But heavenly wisdom would be when you're having a hard time, you could pray to Jesus. Heavenly wisdom comes from the Bible. We can read the Bible and learn more about Jesus and not just about math and reading and stuff. And the next child, earthly wisdom is like smart, knowing a lot of things like grammar, nature, and the body and stuff. But heavenly wisdom is trying to be good, not just smart. Knowing everything good like the Bible. Knowing the life of Jesus and living like him. And then last, earthly wise people have sinned so they can't know to be kind and love like Jesus. Heavenly wise people have kindness, loveness, and joyfulness. They are grateful that Jesus died for us and our sin. They tell the truth, be kind, trying to treat others how they want to be treated and love how they want to be loved. Loving. Out of the mouth of a nine-year-old. To know a lot of stuff, but more than that, you have to make right choices. And a seven-year-old, wise people practice. Each of these children know wisdom isn't merely about information, but it's about walking the walk, about demonstrating your faith. As, G as James reminds us in chapter three, it's about action. James is full of practical applications to us on, on how we should live out our faith every in everyday life. Many people refer to James as the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's full of wisdom and, and instructions on, to us, the followers of Jesus. I liked how uh, this line from an article I read called Proverbs True Wisdom by Margaret Feinberg. She said, wisdom doesn't impart information as much as it invites us into the process of transformation. And I think that's it. It's a, it's a transformation. Think about this. Nowadays, we have more access and more knowledge at our disposal than we have at any other point in human history. I heard it said that we've produced more information in the last 30 years than we had in the previous 5,000 years combined. And also that information doubles every four years. That's a lot of information. We can't even process all this information that's available to us with the internet and our smartphones. We can't even get to all that information. There's so much. And it's constantly changing and more new information and new knowledge. So the problem though is that, is that information doesn't produce wisdom. Wisdom can often be learned from the most uneducated. And we heard that out of the mouths of our children. I learned some, some wise words out of their, from their mouths. Our kids showed that their words are wisdom. James 1.5 reminds us, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. James is reminding his fellow believers and teachers that they should get where they should go to get true wisdom. And he asked the question, who is wise and understanding among you? Who's going to answer? Who's going to keep their hand out? Everybody says, yeah, I'm wise. No one wants to appear to be foolish. No one wants to appear to be unwise. But I think the problem is that it's the process of gaining wisdom. We cannot confuse wisdom with knowledge or intelligence. You can hear that lie starting to, to creep into the minds of our kids, even at such a young age. They equate wisdom must equal intelligence or degrees, or being an expert. But the world says nothing about lifestyle and deeds when it comes to worldly wisdom. Verse 13 states, let them show it by their good life, their deeds, by their deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Unfortunately, many times earthly wisdom fails to produce humility. And deeds are done only to better oneself Think about your own workplace. I know in mine, it's really easy to disregard 
the, the importance of shared knowledge and shared success. We don't want to share that knowledge. We don't want to share that success because what happens then, someone else is going to get that credit, right? I want to make sure, I want to make myself look better than my coworker so I can keep climbing up either in my, in my workplace or I can keep climbing up in my status or whatever that is. We, we, we forsake that true knowledge, that shared knowledge and shared successes and, and that, how important that is. And, and, I, and I think about that, um, it, how, how toxic it can be in a workplace when we're pitting each other against each other instead of working together for a common good or a common goal. So um, true wisdom has to ask itself, how can I put true wisdom into practice in my daily life? James uh, says in verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. The beginning of the verse, but if you, in Greek is actually a conditional clause that means that it actually already was present in the leader, in the churches, the leaders there. It wasn't a hypothetical situation. But if you harbor this bitter envy or selfish ambition, it was there and it was happening among these teachers. And, and the more I thought about it, it made sense. There was conflict because the teachers were boasting in their own knowledge and, and their own wisdom. And they were, they were falling into jealousy and envy because they'd look over and see another teacher, another leader had a bigger following than they did, right? And, then, and that led to, I need to do something different or I need to do this so that I can get those people to come follow me and forgetting to take the attention off of the, the purpose is pointing them towards Christ. But instead, we want them to follow me. We want, I want them, I want to have a bigger, a bigger following. Um, and I want you to listen to this. I, I think James is reminding us that our deeds should be done in humility and always pointing others to Christ. And it's funny how God works because this week I was um, driving. I don't know if you guys listened to Air One or, or Spirit 95, but I was driving um, as I was, I was thinking this whole week just about the sermon and was driving and I heard a song come on the radio by Casting Crowns. And I'd heard this song tons of times, um, but Casting Crowns has a song called Only Jesus that I think illustrates this perfectly. And I, the song starts out, and, I, and I'll, I'll put the lyrics up in a second, but the song starts out with a worldly view of wisdom that, that really most would consider wise, and it sounds good. And this is what it says. And I, I made the joke earlier, I, I'll spare you. A lot of people tell me I have the voice of an angel, but um, I don't want to sing it and, and uh, show up our worship team and, and Heather. So I'll, uh, I'll just read the, the lyrics for you. Um, make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart, above all else, make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light when it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. That sounds worldly wise. Let's make a name. Let's leave a legacy. Let's make a name for ourselves. the world's going to remember. And listen to this. Jesus is the only name to remember. And I, I don't want to leave a legacy I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. And I, I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him, only Jesus. What a powerful song reminding us to boast in Jesus, not in ourselves, not in our own, not in our own deeds, not in our own accomplishments, but boasting in Jesus. The worldly approach to life will only lead to conflict in relationships, at home and at work. However, humility and godly wisdom will lead to peaceful relationships. Verse 15 and 16 further explain this. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, 
unspiritual or sensual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Kind of a scary warning. Deeds done out of selfish ambition and envy seem to be the catalyst for disorder and every evil practice to to sneak its way or creep its way into our lives, sometimes without us even knowing it. And what a perfect plan for Satan, right? If Satan wants to, to work into our lives, if he starts with selfish ambition or maybe a bitter, um, a, a, a bitter vanity of some kind, right? If, if, if it turns into me that um, if I put the focus on me, then now I've opened the door, I've dropped my guard, and now I can let every evil practice in. And I think about why. Because Satan's going to make it look good and wise when our priorities are out of sync with what God says are good and wise. And if he can get in there, then, then where else can he go? What else can he, what else can he slip in? I can, let, I can let down my guard and I can add now because of my selfish ambition or my, um, my bitter envy, I can now let myself convince myself of things that aren't true, that aren't godly or, or heavenly wise. But now he goes on to say this great dichotomy. And that's why I called it a dichotomy because you have the earthly view of it is completely separate from godly wisdom. So a lot of people will, will, will mesh them, but there is, no, there is no similarity. There's earthly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. And godly wisdom says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate or gentle, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And I love that. Another word I, I mentioned there for considerate is King James Version uses gentle. Not gentleness, but gentle. But I know when men, if you're like me and you, and you grew up, I grew up wrestling. I couldn't be tough and I couldn't be a great wrestler if I was gentle at the same time, right? And I, and I think that's such a hard balance because what we've done is we've equated the word gentle or gentleness. It equates with meekness. But we've taken that word meek and we've turned it into meaning weak. But that's the farthest from the definition that it originally is intended for. And I, I think meekness, Jesus was considered meek, the most powerful person on earth, right? But was considered meek because it's more of a controlled strength. And I thought about like a lion lying around 20 hours of the day, but don't mess with it, right? And, or I thought about a, a horse, uh, it tamed, and, but so much power under control that it's only submissive to its master, right? It, it's, and I thought that's, that's what we need to be. That's what this word gentle has to do with. It's a controlled strength. Um, so I, um, James went on, he wants us to understand that wisdom that comes from heaven is first pure, then peace loving, gentle, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, James wants us to see that true wisdom is more than knowledge, but it's about applying that knowledge to the way we live our lives. Pleasing to God, seeking his truth, because it said wisdom comes from above. And we, and, and we need to submit our lives to the Holy Spirit, leading our lives. And that means wisdom too. So I want to unpack this for a little bit this morning. Um, some of there's, There are seven principles that James says that godly, wise people, um, that godly, wise people will have, will possess. The first one, it said that godly wisdom is first of all pure. The definition of pure is unmixed, unalloyed, 
untainted by impurity, always pure, without selfish ambition or envy. Wisdom will be given to us to use to glorify God and to serve others, not to for our own advantage or power. And, and in Greek, pure means without a flaw or, I love this, pure enough to approach God. Without a flaw, human wisdom, without the flaw of human wisdom, tainting God's wisdom. We can easily fall into this trap. I think about when we're in conflicts with others. We end up just trying to prove that we are right, not prove what is right. And we end up tearing down that person just to prove that we were right. And that leads right into the second point that James makes, that pure wisdom, true wisdom is also peace-loving. And it's peace-loving, keeping peace in relationships. And this goes both ways. And I love this point, pure wisdom first while keeping peace. But we can't jeopardize purity just for the sake of peace. But the flip side, we can't forget about being peace-loving just for the sake of proving ourselves right. We don't have to concede to teachings that are filled with biblical inaccuracies or impurities. We don't have to concede to those, but we also don't need to get into petty battles just for the sake of being right or of proving ourselves right or just for the sake of battling. James goes, into, goes on to say that true wisdom is considerate. And this is where they, they substitute that word gentle. There's, and I heard it say there's not really a good English translation for this word gentle. A lot of people have tried. Matthew Arnold called it sweet reasonableness. And I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, the ability to forgive someone, even when it seems righteous to condemn them. And to not always stand unwavering on your rights when you feel someone else has crossed you. I think of this when I see uh, someone not say thank you. And if you've been there like me, you hold a door for someone or you see someone hold a door and you see someone walk right on out, just disregarding that someone just gave up a few minutes of their life to hold the door for you and let you out. Or uh, in traffic, busy traffic, you stop, you flip your lights, you wave someone out and they, you know, gun it out, no wave, no thank you. And I always, I sometimes want to do, I heard a comedian once say, um, after he's hold, held the door for someone and they don't, he wants to grab them by their arm, pull them back in, shut the door and then walk on out. Um, <laughs> But for the sake of me being right, my, my right, I did this for you, right? I, this is what I, the, the response I think I should get is you telling me thank you. Then I didn't do it for the right reason. And I think that's, that, was, uh, that, was, that one hit home um, about the gentleness. That's okay. Go right on out, right? My principles can't get me in trouble if I choose gentleness. Um, we move in then to uh, submissive. And I love this one. I, I don't like that word submissive or willing to yield very often. But I think true wisdom says that true wisdom is submissive and willing to yield. It, meekness, easily persuaded, teachable, but not gullible. Choose your battles, agree to disagree. Sometimes the fight is more costly than the victory was worth. Sometimes we need to swallow our pride and accept that we need to change when we know we're wrong. And that's hard. I have a hard time submitting and swallowing that, yielding to that. But that's godly wisdom. The next point uh, James makes is that true wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. And I love that word fruit. That word fruit reminds us that it's not us producing it. It's allowing the spirit to produce it in us. And, and that's a, that's a, a key. The, the fruit of the spirit means that this, the fruit is from Jesus. 
The fruit is from the Holy Spirit that's going to be evident in my life. I just, and I'm not trying to produce that myself. We have to have compassion for others, even when they get what they deserve. Remember, grace is about us getting what we don't deserve. We should never have the attitude that someone is outside of grace and they should get what they deserve. And I fall into this a lot. I catch myself saying, well, they deserved it. But it may be true, but that's between them and their creator. Their creator that loves them as much as he loves me. And that's a tough one. We have to remember while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So why should we be above offering that grace to someone else? Then he, James goes into talking about the uh, word impartial. And impartial has to do with undivided or unwavering loyalty to God. True wisdom that means that it's not loyal to a worldly cause, even if it's our own desires or goals or personal um, convictions that we have uh, when, when, there are, when, the, when it's for personal gain, right? They're taking the high road in a conflict, knowing that you're on God's side and speaking that truth in love, not so I can be right. And that can be tough. That can be tough. And the last point that James makes um, is that true wisdom, godly wisdom is sincere. And this is, this is probably the most important. I think it's the most important to people that are outside of the church looking in at us. And this point is true wisdom is sincere without hypocrisy. What you see is what you get. Being trustworthy and a person who's above reproach. The key is sincere relationships, a sincere walk, sincere words. Godly wisdom is without hypocrisy. Even worldly wisdom can see through hypocrisy. And the number one reason that people won't walk through that door is because of the hypocrisy they see inside the door. And that's tough. And that's a tough pill to swallow too. That I don't want to be the reason that someone... I don't want to stand between someone and Jesus because of the way I live my life. James ends the chapter, and I love this, verse 18, by reminding us that we reap what we sow. Funny that the book of Proverbs is, speaks to the farmer a lot. And chapter 3 of James ends with an illustration that a, a farmer can understand. He says this, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That tells me be intentional. There are no accidents when it comes to wisdom and peace. There's a lot of work that goes into reaping a harvest for a farmer. They don't just get to walk out the door and see the harvest is ready. There was a lot of work that went into it. And, and James is reminding us there's a lot of work to keep the peace, to live a life of godly wisdom and keep peace. Seeking godly wisdom is the only way to get true peace. Think about Solomon. Solomon's known for wisdom. He could have asked God for anything in the world and he asked for wisdom. And we know that he gave up that godly wisdom for earthly wisdom. And he went from the world's wisest man to the world's most knowledgeable fool. Our wisdom is God's foolishness. Our wisdom is God's foolishness. I heard a pastor this week about, uh, he was talking about how easy it was to buy into earthly wisdom. And, and listen to this. This is what he says. It's easy to buy into earthly wisdom because it makes sense to us, right? Earthly wisdom makes sense to us. God's wisdom doesn't always make sense. Then he argued that that's because God's ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is higher than our understanding. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
If we could figure out God, then he wouldn't be God. We have to guard our heart and mind to whose voice we let in. Many times this human wisdom makes sense to us. And he went on to talk about some Bible characters. And I want to share a couple of these because it really drove this point home. Godly wisdom doesn't always make sense. Abraham packed up everything he owned and moved to a land that he'd never seen for a God he didn't know because God told him to go. Moses' staff. Moses was told, hold that staff above your head when he's fighting the Amalekites, right? And if it, if it lowered down, they would start to lose their ground. Does that make any earthly wisdom sense? And if he kept it above his head, they would continue to, to, to win their battle. Joshua, fighting the battle of Jericho by circling the strongest fortified city the world had ever known. You're gonna walk around that city, those walls, seven times. And then on the seventh time, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna start shouting and you're gonna start playing your trumpets as loud as you can. I mean, who's the guy that, that leans over and says, aren't they just gonna shoot us with their arrows? Right? Earthly wisdom, that doesn't make sense. Elijah picked a fight with the 450 demon prophets of Baal and expected fire to rain down on the mountain. I thought about Noah, the kind of wisdom to build an ark in the middle of the land big enough for every animal on earth to get on board. And I pictured the people around him saying, rain's gonna fall from where? Never seen rain before. You're in the middle of land. Why are you building an ark? That's foolish, right? That's man's foolishness. And the, the stories of, I, I pictured David carrying a sling to fight Goliath. Joseph forgiving his brothers and having the attitude that he knew it, it was all in God's plan for him to be in slavery and captivity most of his life. That's not heavenly wisdom. It, does, it is heavenly wisdom. It's not earthly wisdom. It doesn't make sense to us. And the stories of that kind of wisdom aren't just in the Old Testament. Imagine Peter. Get out of the boat, Peter. You can walk on that water. Huh? Right? We've all swam. We've all tried it. Tried to run real fast, see if I could make it. Nope. Um, I picture Jesus hanging out with sinners, being called a friend of sinners. The Savior of the world being called a friend of sinners doesn't make earthly sense. Didn't make sense to the religious leaders. For Jesus to allow himself to be nailed to a cross and die for our sins when we deserved that death doesn't make sense. Thank God that his wisdom is greater than our wisdom and that his understanding is far greater than my doubts. He states, God, God's wisdom in many as, as many times men's foolishness as well. God's wisdom is our foolishness because some of the things God calls, God calls us to do are gonna seem foolish. They're not gonna make sense. He's gonna ask us to step out in faith and do things that, that don't make sense to us. But we have to trust him and that his wisdom is above our earthly understanding. So this morning as we get ready uh, for communion, I wanna share something that I heard that really got me thinking. I was listening to coverage this week on June 6th was the 75th anniversary of the invasion of Normandy. We called D-Day. Um, the, the operation was called Operation Overlord. And um, we remember how the U.S. and our allied forces stormed the beaches of Norm Normandy and bravely fought to end an evil Nazi-German expansion ac over the, across the world and bring peace to the world. There were so many selfless acts of heroism from all branches of our military. And when you read and you see what all went into the planning and that every branch of the military had a job and that it had to be perfect and it had to be wise, it had to be uh, 
It, it had to cover every single possibility that could have gone wrong. And even the weather had to cooperate. And I, and I was listening to... Um, I was listening to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and he was speaking uh, this week about a principle from a movie, of all things, a movie, Saving Private Ryan, that, that um, even Ernie Pyle said did an amazing job of accurately portraying what actually, went, what actually happened uh, in Normandy. And listen to this. He, he talks about in the movie, Saving Private Ryan, the scene where Ryan's Captain Miller, if you remember, is dying on the battlefield. Private Ryan, had, his three brothers had been killed, and in the movie, um, they wanted to bring Ryan home because they didn't want his family, that his mother, to lose all four of her, her sons. Three of them had died. And so they send Officer Miller in to, to, to get Private Ryan and to bring him home. And if, you, if you've seen the movie, um, Ryan says, no way, I'm not leaving my guys. And there's a, there's a, a battle breaks out to control a bridge that they're trying to, that they've taken over and they don't want to give it back to German, uh, the German Nazis. So um, in the movie... Officer Miller is mortally injured. He's dying on the battlefield. And the, the scene, it's intense, and he leans in to Private Ryan, and he tells him, earn it. Earn it. And then earn the sacrifice that he's giving right now. He's dying. And then they fast forward to, it was a scene from the beginning of the movie at the end, and their stand, Private Ryan is standing over the grave in Normandy of his Officer Miller, and he breaks down sobbing, and he questions his life. He asks his wife, was I a good man? Did, did I deserve it? Did I, did I earn it? Did I, did I live a life that was worthy of that? And the whole time I'm hearing Colonel West talk about it, I'm thinking, man, how do you earn that? How do you earn the sacrifice of a brave American soldiers and the allied soldiers that gave their life for me? How could I even possibly live a life that earned that? And he went on to talk about Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address when he brings up, make sure that we live a life of, in freedom that doesn't ever let any of these people that died to die in vain. And I, and, I, and I couldn't help but thinking during that time, thank God I don't have to earn Jesus' sacrifice. Thank God I don't have to earn my salvation. It seems impossible to earn the sacrifice of the soldier, the American soldier. I, I can't imagine what that would look like to try to earn this, the salvation and the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. What I want you to understand this morning more than anything else is that we don't have to. Jesus did everything on that cross. He took the punishment that we deserved away and it was a free gift. And I thank God that I don't have to, at the end of my life, stand in front of Jesus and, and tell him how I earned it. I'm thankful that he's going to stand with me, tell God he earned it because he knew me. And so if you haven't this morning, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't accepted that free gift of salvation, let today be that day. Don't go on another day trying to ask yourself, have I earned it? Because you can't and you won't and it's not necessary. You don't have to earn it. And thank God we don't have to earn it. I want to pray for us this morning, and then uh, we have our communion table set up where you guys can um, just have some quiet time with Jesus. Dear Lord, God, we thank you so much that, God, you don't ask us to earn it. God, that you earned it for us. That, God, you willingly sacrificed yourself for us. You died for us, God. And I want my life to be a life, God, that, that is known by my deeds that point to you, but, God, not because I have to 
but because I want to, because I want to show you how grateful I am for the sacrifice you made for me. God, I pray for godly wisdom every day in all of our walks. God, in our, in our lives, I pray for that, that true wisdom that only comes from you. God, and I pray that um, this world doesn't uh, creep into our kids as you heard earlier. God, I pray that this world doesn't, the worldly wisdom doesn't convince our kids that, um, that they're not wise because their love for you and their knowledge that comes from you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.